Please be seated. Friends, I invite you to please open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can find that in your pew Bible on page 966, page 966. We'll actually read the first 10 verses of 2 Corinthians 5 as we begin our sermon series for the month of December and the season of Advent. Heaven, the best is yet to come. Listen now to God's word. Reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. And the Apostle Paul writes, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. While we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. For he has prepared for us this very thing, for he who has prepared this very thing for us is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage, We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. May God bless the reading of his holy word. The holiday season has only just begun, and that familiar feeling of mixed emotions is already welling up inside of me. It happens to me every year. I wonder if it happens to you as well. That mix of emotions of great joy and of great sadness. On the one hand, there's great joy. This is the happiest time of the year. With Thanksgiving uh, behind us, it really kicks things off. And I'm, I'm revved up. I'm, I'm ready to listen to Christmas carols uh, between now and through New Year's. And I'm fired up for the great celebration uh, that this, this time of year brings. It started Thursday night with my whole family gathered uh, for Thanksgiving dinner. A joyful time. But in the midst of feeling that joy, this time of year, more than any other, I can suddenly be struck by sorrow. A Hallmark commercial. Uh, um, White Christmas, Bing Crosby on the radio. Things like that will just set me off. Does that happen to you? Well, why? Why this mix of emotions? Now, the reason for the joy is easy. We're celebrating the most wonderful event in all of human history, the birth of the incarnate Son of God. At the conclusion of our worship service this morning, we're going to sing, Good Christian Friends Rejoice. Here's one line. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. He hath opened heaven's door, and we are blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. 
Christ was born for this. What a joyful celebration. So why the sadness? Well, for starters, the pace of the season is exhausting. Now raise your hand if you ventured out on Black Friday to do some shopping. Let's see a show of hands. I see only three hands, four, okay, I see a few more. You folks are very brave to venture out. I don't think between now and New Year's I would venture uh, to Tyson's Corner, Black Friday or Monday or Tuesday or any other day. It's insane. It's a crazy, busy time of frenzied shopping. And it seems to go on and on. On, on top of that, there are work responsibilities and family obligations and schedule pressures and rich food that our, our bodies and our spirits can't seem to handle all of the pressure that we allow into our lives. Yesterday, I, I ventured out to Costco. Has anyone been out to Costco recently? What was I thinking? Every shopping cart that had a young child, especially a young girl, they had gifts and gifts, and the girls all already had their frozen doll of their favorite princess or the little snowman. And I'm, I'm thinking, why are parents already giving their kids these gifts? What about the grandparents who have to think of something to give to a grandchild? What about all the Christmas cards that still need to be written and bills to be paid? And so this time of year is particularly pressurized. And so there's that, that mix of emotion comes from that. But there is still a deeper reason. The holiday season brings to mind special memories of yesteryear. And those memories trigger deep longings. When my family pulls out our Christmas tree from the garage and begins to set it up, and I look forward to that every year, especially now that Jonathan's big enough to help me get it out of the rafters and we start setting up our artificial tree, that's a joyful celebration. We look forward to that. Cheryl pulls out all of the Christmas ornaments, and we have a special ornament from every year that we've been married, and all the memories. But I can't help but also think of my dad, who would take me and my brothers and my mom out into the country every year to cut down a fresh Christmas tree and bring it home. And I think of my dad, who's been gone for 15 years, and Jonathan never had an opportunity to meet him. This season creates longings to be with loved ones. And when we cannot fulfill those longings because our loved ones have died or they've moved away, those longings give way to great sorrow. There's an even deeper reason for the sadness. When the light of life broke through the darkness, the Son of God became a human being, the world responded in one of two ways. The Apostle John tells us that some received Jesus, and to those who did, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. And that's the reason for our great joy, blessed forevermore. But John also tells us that most did not receive Jesus, and that is the cause of our deep sadness. In fact, right in the midst of the most joyful of Christmas passages, it's one of the saddest of all verses in Scripture. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. When we end this worship service, again, another verse from, from that final carol, Now ye need not fear the grave, 
Jesus Christ was born to save, calls you one and calls you all to gain the everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. The fact is, not all have heard his call to be saved, to gain the everlasting hall, which is heaven. And so for a lot of people, for me, maybe for you, certainly for the church of Jesus Christ through all the ages, all the Christmases of waiting for his return, there's always been this mix of emotion from joy to sorrow. And where they intersect is the hope that we have that the best is yet to come. Look closely again at our opening carol. One day we will find rest in Christ. His spirit will rule in all our heart. A day when God will raise us up in glory. Right there in the first carol of our Advent season, uh, come thou uh, long expecting Jesus, it's all about going to heaven. Daryl Johnson makes the point for me. He says, Christmas is but the first chapter of the whole story. Nothing compares to Christmas, God becoming a human being. But as wonderful as a chapter as that is, it is incomplete without all the other chapters. The purpose of Jesus' birth is incomplete without his teaching and healing ministry. Jesus' teaching and healing ministry is incomplete without his death on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross is incomplete without the resurrection from the grave. And Jesus' resurrection from the grave is incomplete with his, without his ascension to heaven and now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus' ascension to the right hand of God the Father is incomplete without his baptizing his disciples in and with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus' baptizing of his disciples in and with the Holy Spirit is incomplete without the hope and the assurance we have that he is preparing a place for us and he is coming again in glory to take us to where he is. And so, friends, to tell the whole story of Christmas, to receive comfort and encouragement during this season that is filled both with joy and with sorrow, our focus is on heaven. And the first question uh, for our series about heaven is this. What happens when a Christian dies? It's probably the, the first question that would come to your mind if you were thinking of a sermon series on heaven. Well, what happens when, when we die? And we don't need a fourth grader to tell us that heaven is for real. We don't need speculation, although there are bookshelves in the, uh, the Christian bookstore filled with speculation and insight, testimonies and near-death experiences. One of the most helpful insights in all of Scripture comes to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're like me, I want accurate and deep understanding of the afterlife, of what I can understand, not simple speculation about where I'm headed or where my friends and loved ones are right now. Twice in today's passage, the Apostle Paul speaks with such confidence, he declares, we know, verse 1 and 6, we know what has happened to them. We know where they are. 
So what happens when we die? What does the Bible teach us about what happens to a believer the moment, the nanosecond, that last breath leaves their lungs? I have four brief points. Number one, when believers die, they are immediately with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.1. Paul says our physical body is like a tent. It's, it's biodegradable. It's going to break down when we die. And, and when that happens, we are instantly with Christ. We're not left uh, out in the cold without a coat or without any clothes. We're given a new body and we are instantly with Christ. This is the greatest blessing for a Christ follower. To be wholly united to our Lord. Even while we have sorrow and grief that will last all of our days at the passing of a friend or a loved one or even a child, even as we suffer, as our own bodies betray us and begin to shut down, verse 6 says we have a courage and a faith that when we die, we will be with the Lord Jesus. And this is our most cherished blessing. Paul writes with such an assurance, he refers to our heavenly embodiment in the present tense. He doesn't say we will have a building from God. He says we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Friends, that is the language of hope, of permanence. Now there is some kind of conscious experience between existence between a person's death and the final resurrection. But I, I, again, I don't want to speculate myself of, of what that's about. But the first point is this. When a Christian dies, they are immediately with Christ. Number two, when believers die, they are immediately perfected in holiness. That's what Paul is referring to in verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24 is also about heaven. And the author mentions, quote, the spirits of the righteous made perfect, emphasizing that Christians are, are part of this perfected company of believers. Immediately upon our death, we enter into the presence of God, and the Bible says we will be perfected in holiness, which means we will be totally freed from sin. We will be made into the likeness of Christ. Imagine what will it be like to be wholly, completely, utterly free of temptation, free of sin, wholly given over to God. Well, the Bible describes that as peace, as rest. Number three, when believers die, they pass immediately into glory. Verses 3 to 4. Philippians 1, 22 to 23, Paul says, Life is hard. And he, boy, he knew that life was hard and a difficult challenge of all the things he faced. He says, Life is hard, but it is good to serve the Lord in the days that he has given to me. But then he says, At the end of the day, quote, I desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. Why? Why is it much better? Because we pass into the glorious place with Christ. We are welcomed into the Father's house. The moment a believer passes, they are safely home. 
They're escorted into those mansions or rooms that our Lord Jesus, our older brother, has been preparing for us. The Bible talks about the Father welcoming us into his open arms, bringing us home. That's glory. Fourth and finally, when believers die, their bodies remain united to Christ, resting in the grave, awaiting the final resurrection. Verse 5. We can rest assured that the best is yet to come, that our brothers and sisters are with Christ, perfected in holiness, in glory, and that God will supply to us an eternal body that is no longer subject to deterioration or disease because he has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Whatever illness or pain or heartache we experience now, whatever degree of suffering or hardship we must face, there is promised to us by the Spirit a new body, holy, glorified, transformed, an eternal abode, Scripture speaks of, a body that awaits us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 goes into great detail about the blessing of that day. So many people uh, that, that Paul was writing to were nervous and concerned about their loved ones who had gone before them and, and wondering what had happened to them. They were anxious. They were losing hope. They were giving in to the sorrow and grief. And he says there, your loved ones that have died are now resting and trusting in Jesus Christ. And so we can say it again today. Your loved ones who have died resting and trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel are more alive today than they ever were on this green earth. Your loved one that had a great sense of humor, they are funnier. They have the best punchlines in heaven. Your loved one that was wise and gave you great advice, they are more wise. Your loved one who had a great sense of of life and enjoyment of life, and that was taken from them, it's all been restored. That is our hope. I'm going to invite Gray to come up, and I'm going to invite us to remain seated. And as he comes forward, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. The words of our, of our next song, Give Me Jesus, are printed in your bulletin. If you want to just take a quiet moment to sit and contemplate and, and and pray, you could do that. If you want to sing along, you can do that, do that as well. But let me lead us in a word of prayer, and then Greg will lead us in this song, ushering us again into Christ's presence and seeking the hope that we need, especially for those of us who are struggling even now with the memories and the loss. Let's go to prayer. So, Lord, we come to you now, and I know that I'm not alone because I can see it in in the expressions and of my beloved here before me, my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we all are experiencing, many of us here, that mix of emotions. And the range is beyond from joy to sorrow. There's doubt and confusion. There's anger. There's regret. There's anxiety. And so, Lord, I pray even now that you would minister to us. Come to us now, Lord. Minister to us by the power of your Holy Spirit and the confirmation of your word. Give us the assurance and the hope that we need in this hour, in this beginning of a very busy season. We need you, Lord Jesus. Amen.